Hey goblins, if you like this podcast, do us a favor, throw us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app of choice. Also, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. We got a special one coming for you this week. We're going to try and do something different for a couple weeks. Uh, give you something a little bit additional. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and thank you for your support. Please tell a friend. Hey everybody, welcome to a special off-week episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm uh, Brandon at Way of Brandalore, and joining me today is not Josh, but is... Uh, hi, I'm Gabriel. Uh, I uh, You can find me at Instagram uh, at Amethyst Audiomancer. Um, you've heard me before, I think, on this show at least once. Yeah, you may remember him from our Halloween episode where we talked about uh, Mask of the Red Death, the old D&D module. When I when I show up on this show, I try to make sure that it messes up the regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> we uh we got to give Josh his excuse. Um, he had a bunch of stuff going on this weekend, and the reason we're talking uh, today is because we uh, went ahead and watched the first three episodes of The Legend of Vox Machina uh, yeah. that dropped on Friday the twenty eighth, which would just then this is coming out Monday the thirty first. So everybody's had a weekend to digest, not counting the folks who backed it who got to watch it right, early watch it early yeah but uh josh had a lot of stuff going on this weekend and did not have enough time to watch three episodes of television and then talk about it all in one weekend because um, yeah Very that's understandable the yeah that's the way they did this they're dropping three episodes now and then next week three episodes and then next week three episodes and the next week three episodes so they're it's 12 episodes but they've got sort of an odd release cadence for them which is kind of strange yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, especially considering the original Critical Role show is a, is it's a weekly thing, um, except for the few times that they would take breaks. But like it, it, going from a weekly show that's three to five hours an episode to yeah. uh, three episodes a week that don't even come close to two hours uh, if you add them all together. I uh, just as a uh disclosure i guess i have actually never watched or listened to any critical role so please as we talk about this uh everything i say remember it in the context of brandon has never watched or listened to critical role and thus has no connection to any of these characters and is not emotionally invested in anything they're doing well I, actually I'm, I'm really excited to hear your uh opinions because of that because like that i i've i watched uh what i feel is a very sizable amount of uh critical role um although i i haven't finished the first season um because there are only so many hours in a year that i have access to for mm -hmm. fun things um but i was watching it like I think I at, at one point, because I was watching it really early on, I think I was only 10 episodes behind at one point, and then, and then it very quickly outran me. Yeah, I'm much more of a The Adventure Zone kind of guy. Yeah. Since I, I'm also from West Virginia, so I connect with those guys. And I was also in college with one of them. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, when, we, when, when The Adventure Zone gets their animated series and we review that, I can tell that story. Yes. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So many sponsors for that one. Yeah, but I, I took a bunch of notes while I was watching this. I watched uh, episodes one and two yesterday, Friday evening, 
uh, and fell asleep, not because of the quality of the content, but because I'd been up all day and I was very tired. Uh, and then I finished up this morning, Saturday, watching episode three and took a bunch of notes on it. What was what was your uh, experience there, Gabe? Uh, I mean, clo- like I, I watched episode one last night with uh, my mom. Um, and I it, like had a good time. Uh, and then, and then people started coming home. Uh, my family came over, uh, I've, I've family coming in from out of town. So like that kind of got tossed up and around and then I've su- succeeded in watching the other two episodes, uh, at random intervals throughout, uh, this morning to just a little <laughs> while ago. Yeah. Um, it's about, it's about six forty-five on Saturday evening when we're doing this right now. Yeah. So I, I, I've, I did watch all three. Um, and I watched them attentively enough to, uh, at least have a, an opinion. Okay. Uh, a couple opinions. Okay. All right. I have several opinions too, and I think we can start sharing them now. Yes. Um, I'm just going to start. I'm going to oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I, I think we should, um, start with like, cause I, I noticed when I was taking notes, my, the notes I had for the first episode, are very long and mm-hmm. then going on they got shorter and shorter but i think that's because the first episode also carries the weight of introducing the show yeah kind of thing and so a lot of those notes are just talking about first impressions um so what were some of your first impressions um from a sort of production standpoint my first impression was the animation quality uh seemed to sort of oscillate between cheap looking and fantastic animated CG. Yes. Yeah, because I'm, I'm really not trying to speak poorly of it because whenever I tell people that I don't listen to Critical Role, it is usually interpreted as me trying to act like I'm better than them because I don't no. watch Critical <laughs> Role. I have nothing against Critical Role. I just can't make time for it. Um, so I just want to make super explicit, like, I'm not saying anything against Critical Role. This is just me watching this with no emotional connection to it and right. just my reactions to it. But the animation felt kind of cheap. Um, back like right before, like right in around the 2006 to 2010 or 2010 era, um, Marvel Animation had a couple of projects that were out there. And it's, this was like before the MCU stuff really caught on. Uh, and Avi Arad was in charge of those because he was in charge of Marvel Television and he was notorious for being a real penny pincher about mm-hmm. everything. So all the, the animation quality on all those shows really sucked. And there I think were, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a Fantastic Four series that came out around then and it was yeah. just really, really bad animation. I remember how bad that was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there were some scenes that really felt like that. And it, I don't think they were trying to do it on the cheap. I, I, I wonder if maybe because, you know, since it was a Kickstarter uh, thing, maybe there were just some financial constraints and they wanted to get 12 episodes out. So maybe they had to go to this animation studio or that animation studio to do like, right. some of the traditional animation stuff. However, having said that, when they really when they needed to do CG stuff, it was fantastic. Oh, and by the way, this is a spoiler review. So uh if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it and then come back yes. and listen to it. Yeah. So go watch it because we will reference specific things. I certainly will be such as this, like when the dragon showed up, when the blue dragon showed up, that was excellent CG. Yeah. The battle scene, 
excellent CG. It was like great fight choreography too. Like there was yeah, such a great flow fight to choreography it. in uh, all the episodes. Like I, I loved the fight choreography. The 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 animation for combat mm-hmm. was uh, or, or so far has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, sim- similarly, like I, I will notice uh, during like dialogue scenes. Um, and, you know, I, I can't super fault it. Like, you know, if you watch the first season of Avatar, the, the last airbender, those first couple episodes, animation's kind of rough, kind of kind of wild. But by the second season, it's really starting to get a whole lot better. But uh, there were a lot of times in uh, all the episodes, um, but especially the first one uh, in, of Legend of Vox Machina, where like two characters would be talking, but you would see lots of other characters in the background. But like a lot of stuff would be just static background, mm-hmm. like the trees, nothing was moving. Maybe there was a cloud or something, but yeah. it was just two people talking with like nine people in camera and the other like groups of people are just, they're, they're static drawings mm-hmm. um, that only change once they're interacted with. Another, another thing that this animation reminded me of, and I actually just thought of it just now, but um, the Netflix Voltron cartoon, Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it, I, I actually, I never looked this up and I probably could, but I'm not going to, it, it almost feels like it was the same animation house because Voltron had the same thing going on where a lot of the traditional 2d animation felt very flat, felt kind of cheap. But then when yeah. it switched over to like the lions, yeah, it was, it was really good. But, but I will say that Vox Machina's CG was better is better than Voltron CG. Yes. Yeah, like the 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 look and the feel of the dragon, the way it shifted and moved, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like its big lightning breath thing. Um, it was it was unique visualization. Um, I will say, kind of getting getting into the specifics of episode one. Um, like one thing that I I I, I loved, but it created an interesting uh for me cognitive dissonance. Uh, having seen or, or watched like a good chunk of the first season of Critical Role, uh, like this is vastly different. I, I don't even think that the uh, the 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 show starts with the um, adventurers already like close to level ten and in the middle of a specific adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and this. Uh, the Legend of Vox Machina starts with them slightly before they would have gone on that adventure and then skips that adventure entirely and goes to a uh, continuation of the, of a new one. Oh, um, so it so is it like episode one and two take place before the beginning of the show and then yes. episode three takes place after that? Yes. Episode three is like, what, 30 episodes in or something? Oh, OK. Uh, which I, I will say. Uh, the reason I, I kind of like that is because, um, and this is, uh, again, something that you probably don't know, but uh, in the show, they had another cast member, um, mm-hmm. Orion Akaba, playing um, Tiberius Stormwind, I believe, a, a, a dragonborn uh, sorcerer who actually played a pretty, like, a, a critical role in a lot <laughs> of that, uh, like, earlier, that, that the adventure at the beginning of the stream, when they when they just started streaming it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Orion did leave the show at one point. Um, I, I believe uh, very amicably. But I, it appears that in the Legend of Vox Machina, they were not going to reprise his character at all. Oh, okay. So well, that's pretty to, sensible then. 
rewrite a huge chunk at the beginning of the adventure because he was uh very like critical like uh, uh one of the main things that i noticed uh immediately um was the 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 interactions with the like king and all all of that and and like lady alora and all that because those these are characters that i remember but their interactions are significantly different like uh the 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 group is more established in their abilities but at the same time less established in their renown mm-hmm. as opposed to like in the game in the actual D game that they are playing early on <laughs> they didn't really have as many of their abilities like scanlan had not gotten access to big b's hand yet um which he called scanlan's hand right um in this uh and there, there's like a handful of other spells and abilities that none of them had access to yet by the time they were doing that specific adventure um but again like for so, so it creates that dissonance because i'm like wait no that's wrong but also i mean it's not my story so i like they can do whatever they want with it so it's not wrong it's just we strangely different um i'm sure you're having the same feelings that many game of thrones fans had yes where you're like okay that's an interesting take it's not bad at all like i i also i really like how they um one thing that that i've I've loved about like the critical role content that's come out whether it's the uh explorer's guide to wild mount um or any of that is their their attention to creating new stuff that is similar to a lot of the older things like creating new gods that actually feel kind of unique and they're not just like you know paylor and uh like all, all the all the gods that we know from greyhawk settings um mm-hmm. which they used in the critical role campaign but when they were creating like their own official content they had to change stuff around and uh even like in this having the the blue dragon like it didn't quite it didn't look like the regular blue dragon uh mm-hmm. from D. um you could tell it was a blue dragon because it was well blue <laughs> uh and shot lightning but a lot of the a lot of his other like characteristics were not the same as the the quintessential blue dragon that you see in um forgotten realms stories and things like that i want to read the paragraph i wrote uh just sort of summarizing my thought on the pilot the the yes. two part pilot and then we can just like go off of that uh and this is just verbatim what i typed out this morning the two-part pilot was my least favorite of the three episodes released this week. Pilots are almost always the worst entries into a series because they're burdened with establishing characters in an extremely limited window of time. I don't think it fell prey to the dreaded trope of informed attributes, though. The characters at least demonstrated their traits rather than informing the audience of them through dialogue. That's true. Uh, but in, I guess, a... a, a, a kind of with that um one of one of my main notes that i uh underlined was um the pacing in the first episode is absolutely insane yeah it is it is set up resolve set up it's like a, a like it, it, it made me think of some of the pacing in like jojo's bizarre adventures or um unbreakable kimmy schmidt mm-hmm. but the significant difference there is that those shows aren't trying to build a sense of drama or intensity like Kimmy Schmidt's a it's a it's a comedy like about a pretty horrific thing and uh if if you if you give the audience time to dwell 
then that horror sets in. So the show has such a like a lightning fast pace. But the first episode of this was like, oh, there's this really dramatic thing happening. Cool. So let's deal with it. And let's move on to this other dramatic thing that's happening. Cool. Let's deal with that. Move on to this. Uh, and it felt so fast. Like I, I, I had brain whiplash by the end of the first episode. It had to yeah. take a minute. If this hadn't been if this had been sort of a quote unquote original television series and not like based on some pre-existing content, like the entire first two episodes could have spread over probably six to eight episodes. Exactly. Um, and it, I think it wasn't until I got to the third episode that I realized why they were doing that so quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's because they were, uh, my, what I think is the case is they're trying to get to the Briarwood arc as mm-hmm. quick as possible because that, because as the episodes went on, Episode one was super fast paced. Episode two was a bit slower. And then episode three was finally at like a comfortable storytelling pace. Um, yeah. I even I, felt like episode three went a little bit quick, but we can talk about that when we get there. Yes. Um, as far as uh, just n- specific notes that I have for episode one and two, um, you know, you just interrupt me. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh I guess this goes back to what I was saying about not informed attributes, like the whole initial scene with the bar fight and everything existed to demonstrate everybody's personality. Yes. Um, And the initial notes that I wrote down were, this is awfully tropey. Um, (laughs) But I, I have a further explanation of that. Uh, This is what I wrote down. I said, probably my biggest complaint about the show is that it's a parade of D and D tropes, the tragic backstory, the horny bard, the dumb barbarian, and it's easy to contextualize that, though, with the fact that it's actually based on a D&D campaign. So I really can't hold it against them, you know, because I wouldn't expect them to rewrite all that stuff to facilitate more polished storytelling. And I also wrote, that sounds like I'm digging at, at them, but I'm really not. Um, yeah, well, so. Because there was stuff the... there was stuff that was tropey that I really liked, like um, when Grog was like. I would like to rage before he yes. attacks the dragon. I was like, okay, I had to give them like some beatnik snaps for that yes. one. That well, was that, that, that's that that's his uh, his his catchphrase in the in the show too. Oh well, then it yeah. makes even more sense. Yeah, like there 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 were a lot of like every time the character would would rage, Travis Willingham would say in a variety of ways, "I would like to rage." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he would specifically say it in Grog's voice, which made it uh. Uh, like it started off with him just saying, "Hey, I'd like to rage," and then eventually turned to the character going, "I would like to rage." <laughs> um, which again, like like the, those kinds of things are hilarious. But some like like you were saying, it, since it's based off of a pre-existing thing, I feel like parts of it are kind of sitting on like that that hope that the some of the viewers, most of the viewers, all the viewers have. Uh, an understanding a a a a knowledge base to build off of with Mm -hmm. the show with the like the the actual critical role show um because some of the 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 tropes did uh and there's there's a lot of like they like they feel like easter eggs to me but that's because i've seen it but i feel like they're gonna be very very lost on people who have not seen uh critical role Mm -hmm. um I will say though, uh, on your on your note about a lot of the tropes, that was one of the things that I both enjoyed in the beginning, and then kind of led to me slowly, steadily not watching the show. Was 
because like uh, I, I, I you mean the original role. you mean the original yes yes okay. the, the the original um uh watching critical role because a lot of the uh a, a lot of the actors in it uh or players this is like their first maybe second time playing dnd um and so a lot of them made uh very themselves characters like mm-hmm. themselves as a kid like it's it's you know uh, a lot of players make themselves as a character in their first time um and the more seasoned players made the more complex like uh talos and jaffe making the percy and um liam o'brien making uh vaxel dan like the mm. little more complex little more edgy characters from the more seasoned players but the tropes when i when i was watching it i like as someone who's been playing D for so long it felt like a lot of them were exemplifying the tropes mm-hmm. in critical role uh to the point that i'm like okay yeah uh, this is like what the nine thousandth horny bard um that i've that i've seen it's not bad he's doing an amazing job with it i will say and the character development that he goes through is fantastic but it's like i don't know it, it wasn't it wasn't as interesting to me and i think they realized that when they did their second season and you see how absolutely zany their characters are in comparison to the first season um the first season was comfortable for them because they were leaning on tropes Hmm. okay i mean and there's really like there's nothing inherently wrong with tropes no if you're if you're if you're you're reason yeah but if you're like when you're really genre savvy on something it gets really hard not to notice them Yes, yes, exactly. Again, um, it's it's still a super enjoyable show and like the 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 way they do them is is excellent. Yeah, and you know, talking about tropes, um I did not expect initially the twist on the dragon's identity. Uh probably because I like really expected the extreme telegraphing that they were doing in the other yeah. direction with the yes. other advisor to pay off cuz I was feeling like Oh, you know, tropes are really like kicking in here. This is feeling very predictable. It's feeling very much like a point A to point B to point C kind of adventure story. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I have no background for this because I've never watched it or listened to it. So. uh, So that's that's where I was on that. So when all of a sudden it was David Tennant, who was the dragon, uh, I was like, oh, oh, so that actually surprised me even when probably most other people were not surprised i i uh, i was well I'll, I'll say i was not surprised because i saw that kind of twist coming i was mm-hmm. hoping that they would give that twist mm-hmm. like I, I i saw it and i was like oh it seems like it's probably going to be this this creepy dude but you know it would make more sense if they twisted it and it made it this guy like i think that'd be better storytelling and when it was that uh, i will say that adventure like that whole thing uh one and two again that happened before the show so they only talk about that later mm-hmm. and um, the whole I, thing um, with the uh, what's that Br- brimsythe yeah um the, the the whole thing with brimsythe brimsythe happens before I, I mean i could be wrong but i believe that all that happened before that's what i was given to understand too yeah but i i feel talking you know how we were talking about how these first two episodes could have been almost their own sort of season. Yeah. You know, I think it would have really benefited from giving a lot more motive, like less of a um, man with a black hat twirling his mustache motivation to tenants character. Cause yeah, 
I didn't I didn't feel any deep motivation for th- for that other than just like ah this is how things are and should be. Yeah. Well so so that that's that's like another thing like that character the way that Mercer set up the storylines uh the arcs within um the original uh Critical Role season 1 was uh like he, a, a lot of them overlapped. Mm-hmm. And so there were things like this particular adventure um where like the players like they're going and they solve the adventure kind of but there's clearly a couple loose ends that they can't really explore too much Mm -hmm. and then but then immediately a new problem shows up and they have to deal with that and then by the time they finish that problem some aspect of the first problem shows up again and like that starts to to grow as well so it's a it's a layered story storytelling so i'm thinking in the second season um, if this first season is primarily going to be the Briarwood arc, uh, the second season is probably going to be returning to the uh, the 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 foundation laid by episodes one and two. Okay, well that would be that would be nice if that paid off. Yeah. The only other thing I'll say about um, Tennant's character is his voice work was exactly like his Scrooge McDuck voice work, uh-huh. and I know that's way closer to his natural dialect. Yes. Than anything most people see him in. But it still really took me out of it because I expected him to start yelling about Flint Hart Glomgold uh-huh. or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think, he, he, he I think David like Tennant bigger... has. Yeah. David Tennant has two settings. I think he has the doctor and Scrooge McDuck when he's doing <laughs> voice work. Uh, well, I mean, he, he also had the, the uh, American accent Kilgrave um, from the Jessica Jones series. Although that one was closer to the doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Cause, cause all, all, all those characters kind of have like, that's the, when David Tennant bears his teeth and gets all crazy. Mm-hmm. And it feels and like the, he's like talking through his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, the Scrooge, I, I was definitely getting, uh, like if Scrooge, if Scrooge McDuck was like six feet tall and, and, and fatter, that's what the voice would have been. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck with meat. Yes. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, what other thoughts do you have about the first two episodes? Well, I did think. I'm not sure how I feel about the the show's logo being on the the doors to the uh, Hall of Amon, <laughs> the, the Hall of the King. Like when 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 they when they get kicked out of the of the hall and they're going to go investigate the. Uh, the, the the creepy dude and they're standing there if you look at the doors like you see the the um the the, the d20 with the sword cross in it mm-hmm. and i was like hmm. did you notice the boulder in the cave that was a d20 yes yeah, yeah. uh the, like those the, those touches uh i i like them i also like in in some areas like like it being on on the door like i don't know it, it feels like too much of a nod but that that could that is that's entirely like a personal thing if i wrote it i'd do it differently but i'm not the person writing it so i also enjoyed it <laughs> i didn't know like i didn't notice that i know what the critical role logo looks like but i i, I just did didn't love the that. dragon lance reference though that made me laugh out loud when they were in gilmore's and i was like oh you want to kill a dragon here's a dragon killing lance <laughs> and i was like aha clever nod to the infamous Dragonlance series i've read Um, a couple of the Dragonlance books but that's yeah that's about it and it was like 20 years ago (laughs) um 
I I loved Gilmore, but I also loved Gilmore in the the show uh, and the, the the Critical Role show as well. Um, the interactions between Gilmore and Vax, uh, I think, was like um, the only romantic subplot that I actually enjoyed. Um, now, I, I will say I'm not a huge romance in films, especially, and I'm, and I'm even less of a fan in romance in TTRPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is like I'm, I'm laying that out as uh, this is this is my personal thing. But I really enjoyed um, how Gilmore and Vax like got along in the original show, and I'm I'd, I'd love to see more of that. Uh, I think Gilmore came out beautifully um and the pacing was getting better i I do have that as a as a note i know mercer does uh, a voice in uh episode three uh the antagonist uh but i thought it would be Uh, lord briarwood yeah i thought it would be fun if there was some sort of alternate audio track where everyone who was not the main characters was voiced by Matthew Mercer. <laughs> that would be amazing. And I mean, he could. That should he be like, that should before. be like, that should be like an, an elite level of some sort of Kickstarter reward. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you gave uh, like $10,000 to this project, then you get the Matthew Mercer NPC only. <laughs> <laughs> Where every NPC is voiced by, I mean, you know, Mercer is a a, a tr- tremendous voice actor, and the show it worked wonderfully with with him as the the only uh, NPC voice bouncing around. I especially loved that he has like five different guard voices, mm-hmm. and so in my head during the show, it was like whenever the the one like really worried guard would show up, um. It, like I always imagined it was the same guy just getting a different job in different places and always <laughs> having a bad time. Um, and I'm sure to a degree, uh, Mercer did a lot of like the throwaway voices in this. I don't know for certain. I didn't check. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be it would be humorous if he did like the guard that says, hey, and that's like, that's it. Um, they just I pitch th- it down. I thought it was funny. It. Felicia Day had a throwaway voice. Who did Felicia Day do? In episode three, she was one of the bandits that um, oh, uh, that's jumped right. jumped them. That's right. And I didn't know that. Like I, I didn't know it until I was looking at IMDb. But I just thought that I remember. Was really funny. Did, did, did she have another uh, character in the show? I feel like she should have. Mm, let's see. Um, because I thought I saw her name show up for episode two as well. But I guess maybe that was. Uh, it it looks like okay. she was okay. She was a captain in episode two, and then I guess a bandit. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I am. I, I will say, like, I, I I did really enjoy the first, like, the episodes that I did see of Critical Role. It really was like only when they were getting into the the later stuff that I started to lose interest. But the first group of stuff, especially the Briarwood, uh, arc, which is what they're they're leading into. I did really enjoy like I thought it was beautiful storytelling um, and much like every, you know, Curse of Strahd or uh, World of Darknessy thing, like a lot of them lean on the same tropes. But like we were talking before, like it's not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, I, um, I even wrote down create the aesthetic. 
I even wrote down one in my notes for episode three. It's like, I'll hold off drawing the Strahd comparisons, though, because that's low hanging fruit for criticism in a D&D product. Exactly. It's like you, if you want to have like Strahd is Dracula. So if you, you can you can make that twist as well. Yeah. Um, if had I been making the choice, I would have had um, Silas Briarwood arrive, not in a coach that really feels like Strahd's. And I would, <laughs> right. you know, and wouldn't necessarily have had him as the lord of a land. Yes. Well, I mean, it is a stolen land, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and that, but, and that but again, the when this was line. when when the original character was being written, there was probably never any thought given to maybe this will be an animated series someday. So we should really differentiate this from other parts of the product. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, at, at the same time, like per, perhaps like uh, like the Lance, uh, the, like like the Dragon Lance in there, maybe the they, they kept it as a nod to other, mm-hmm. you know, D&D products. Either way, it didn't offend me because he's much more of a direct villain than Strahd. It seems yeah. like because since Strahd's more of a manipulator and Briarwood uh, definitely get wants to get his hands dirty or at least is not worried about getting his hands dirty. Yes. Yeah, and the 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 Briarwood arc, um, as as someone uh, and uh, anybody listening uh, knows already, uh, as someone who is a very big fan of horror, the Briarwood arc was, I think, the only one that I actually felt like that feeling of dread, mm-hmm. um, which was also very impressive considering by the time that the players were in that setting. Uh, in 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 that arc, their characters were all like level nine, ten, eleven mm-hmm. in that realm. Um, Mercer was doing XP uh, leveling, so a oh, lot wow. of them were at different levels. Like some of them, some of them are level eleven, while some are level ten. I'll tell you, once I embraced milestone leveling, I'll never go back. Yeah, and I I, I have a feeling I haven't watched any of the recent seasons, but I have a feeling like that is probably where uh, the rest of it sits too. Um. But yeah, like it, it, it's it's hard. Uh, generally, I will say it's it's more difficult to make players uh, and make the characters feel, you know, worried and scared once they get past like level eight, because then they have crazy powerful abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in the way that like like the the various methods that uh, Mercer used to create that sense of building dread, and then. <laughs> Excuse me, and then on top of that, having the uh, all the different like ca- the players, the actors lean into it so well, um, like you saw at the at the the uh, end of uh, three with that whole like Percy clearly kind of losing it, mm-hmm. um, screaming at the party and all this other stuff like that kind of thing. I love when players can lean into their character becoming like a an inner party villain for a little mm-hmm. while because then it allows it to become that uh hopefully either that character just becomes a problem and they get killed off or something like that or they have a redemption ability it's just a more interesting wrong. conflict to have to deal with something like that yes exactly. Um, when star trek started in the 60s and then when next generation started in the 80s like gene roddenberry's vision of the future was there is no interpersonal problems that people have so there was no conflict between people because it was a utopian society and 
people had learned to deal with those kind of things. But the writers very quickly realized that that makes it very difficult to write effective stories and drama. Right. Uh, so, so once Roddenberry was pushed out, that's when we got stuff like Deep Space Nine, which is built yeah. on the back of sort of basically interparty or intraparty uh, conflict. Yes, because it just makes things more interesting than a group against an external force, a group against an external force plus an internal force. Yeah, is way more captivating. The 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 various um, like twists that the 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 whole Briarwood arc had that lean into that. Um, I I I loved. I really did. I'm I I, if it. if that's the direction the rest of this is going. I'm looking forward to it because episode three is where I really felt like it got going and I really started to get drawn into it like new antagonists tied directly to the capital T capital B tragic backstory yeah. of a main character. Um, I love stories that deal with vampires. Um, you know, like I said, I'm willing to set aside the Strahd comparisons just to see where the story goes. Cause I have yeah. no idea. Uh, but if the rest of it can continue on kind of like that, I'll be, I'll be down for it. And they, you know, they ended it on a little bit of a cliffhanger with them getting arrested. Uh, but I imagine that'll be resolved relatively quickly in episode four. I mean, as as if the current set of pacing is anything, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you have to worry about anything taking longer than mm-hmm. what five minutes. The probably the the only disappointment I really had with episode three is that they burned the large gala trope, but it didn't involve the party having to infiltrate it or something. Yeah. That's like whenever they were invited. Yeah, exactly. Whenever you're going to have a big thing like that, a masquerade ball, a diplomatic, you know, gala, something like that, the party always needs to <laughs> needs to have to infiltrate. Right. Uh, we've actually run a couple of ventures like that at Gobbles of Growlers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, wrote one for a uh, a paid campaign. I was hired to oh, do. Heck yeah, yeah. So that was nice. Yeah, and the, those those are like a, a lot of fun uh, and you know as as far as like leaning into the tropes um i do feel like that that but who knows maybe they will have to uh, uh do that later on um it is it is different the only thing that i felt was like oh i recognize this well was episode 3 mm-hmm. um and i think that that was you know that's the goal they they sped through episodes 1 and 2 so they could slow down in episode three and be like, cool. So here's the thing. But like you were saying, it's still a pretty quick pacing. It's kind of weird how they decided to do the release schedule, because like we talked about at the top, you know, they're doing three every week for yeah. four, weeks four weeks to get the 12 episodes. As I was watching uh, last night and this morning, it just felt to me like it would have made more sense to release parts one and two as sort of like a mini premiere movie. And then, yeah. you know, three and four the following week, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So essentially, then you would have six weeks of release rather than four. And the stories would have chunked together a little bit because you would have had the premiere. And then you would have immediately gotten into the Briarwood arc. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at, at the same time, maybe that's why they had the three. They, they, they did one, two and three because. Like. I, I, did did episode two end with anything leading into Briarwood arc other than the occasional no. name drop? They got the keep 
and then yeah. the episode three started with them living in the keep which uh, in the in the um uh, critical role show they they called it uh castle grayskull so i'm i'm interested to see what they call it in this. yeah now if this show were on netflix instead of amazon prime they might be able to call it castle grayskull right <laughs> <laughs> uh um, what did what did you feel about the like the episode run times because you know it's they're very much formatted it seems for the possibility of airing on actual television since right they're, like when since when they're like me they were yeah, episode three was 26. It's like, well, that sounds like 30 minutes with commercials. Yeah, episode three was 24 minutes. Episode one, I think, was 27. Episode two was 28. But you add those together, okay. that's 40 minutes, and that's an hour long with commercials. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that that would be super cool. I think mm-hmm. I would love for this to be like the first step in. Well, okay. Uh, the first step in uh, uh, people getting their campaigns, like the, the very interesting ones sort mm-hmm. of published in this way, um, not just in comic book form, although I do love the comic book forms. Um, but I don't know. I don't really have too much <laughs> thought while, about that. While you search for your words, I'm just going to point out, I just realized that I added together 27 and 28 and got 40, which is absolutely not the answer to that math problem. Yeah, it's 40. Um but I still think that that it's all set up for being able to be aired on actual television. Yeah. Well, so so I there'll I be a syndication that, deal at some point. I think it would be very interesting um, for that to be a thing. I don't see actual television or regular television continuing to be a thing because I feel like with all the streaming services, those are slowly dying out unless you're watching Hulu, which does have. Yeah. Hulu Hulu set up for commercials. And over the air television, I don't like cable may start to wane at some point, but over the air television is still there. And there are all those digital sub channels that always want programming. Bless their heart. Yeah. So, Um, yeah, I I, I forget that it still exists, I guess. Yeah, it's I don't watch it, but it's definitely there. And there are people who do, especially when you have cable companies who will like bundle it with your Internet and stuff. Right. Direct TV is still a thing. My neighbor has it. Yeah. But. Um, I would have loved it if the episodes were closer to 45 minutes a piece. Essentially, yeah. an hour, essentially an hour yes. long show because you got a show with uh, six main protagonists. It's very difficult to have like real character depth in each like in an episode with that. Is it, is it only six? I thought it was seven. It might be seven. I just. I was just throwing a number out there when I was Could putting my be. notes together. I didn't uh, count. But, but still, that, like, that only that was, strengthens my argument. No, it, and I, I I fully agree, and that's I think that's why um, one of my friends actually said uh, recently when they when they watched it that their favorite thing about Critical Role when they were watching it was the the the, the dialogue, the the longer moments in between the action, mm-hmm. because like they're they're all professional voice actors, they're actors, they're improv actors, they know how to build scenes and do that and build that drama and digest a scene after it happens. Oh, Percy, you know, what is this horrible thing that's happening? And then Percy goes on, there was a dark and stormy night and the dreary backstory of a character. Mm-hmm. And like that, that build up that conversation. And that's why those episodes were like four hours long because they had a 20 minute intermission between full sessions of D and D. Um, and that was and and that's not even talking about the episodes that were like entirely combat but um 
in this, I feel like they focused a lot more on how like badass the combat could be and started to take away some from the dialogue and the and the intrigue, which I think if again, if they if they had it uh, at 40 minute episodes, that definitely could have been a thing. They, they could have had longer dialogue. They could have had more time to digest a scene. Yeah. And I mean, also, you got to think about this being designed for an overlap, but also for a different kind of consumer that's not going to be watching a four hour show. Um, yeah. Like yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just I don't have time for that in my life anymore. <laughs> so right. I'm not going to do it. But, you know, they have to make concessions to to the storytelling in in various yeah. ways um like i thought i think they were probably given the budget to do x minutes of animation and they chose to do 12 at 30 rather than 6 at 60 yeah and that 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 makes sense yeah it helps tell tell more discrete chapters but I guess in that in that same vein, like I I know a lot of people backed this project, mm-hmm. um, and I know that you know Crit- Critical Role as a as a company uh, in themselves, um, I don't know what their specific finances are, but I, I definitely would say that having this been something closer to like season two of The Witcher. Uh, obviously a very different budget, a very different show, but a similar style of storytelling of like, you know, adventuring party adventurers going on uh, like the the hero's journey-esque thing, but it's a group of people, not just one. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that pull back and forth. But like, again, again, one of the big things that I don't have in Legends of Fox Machina is other than when the episode ends is time to digest the scene. But I also, Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing the characters digesting a scene. Uh, Like that's something in a lot of dramas, which Mm -hmm. considering there's uh, there, there are only so many jokes in this. I I would have to say like, this is in that realm of action, drama, comedy. Um, The, the, one of the big things in a drama is like when a character like if a character dies, or if a character loses something, or something horrible happens, like there, you you should have that scene where you see the character dwell for mm-hmm. a, at least a moment, and then someone comes to comfort them, and they have a conversation as to why, or something like that. And it doesn't have to be long; it could be two minutes, it could be five minutes. Um, but with how quick the pacing was, um. I think they 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 lose a chunk of the the gravitas the the gravity mm-hmm. that should be there for drama, especially yeah. for D and D drama. Yeah, I uh, went to the Kickstarter page and was able to answer a couple of our questions. Perfect, because I went back through it because it's from 2019, so like everything's still there. Um, yeah, it was originally for episodes one and two, which were pitched as a special, so that's why it. That makes sense. has a discrete beginning and end. Um, yeah. And then all the rest of them are, are Briarwood uh, or at least through episode 10. But there are like episode there are like 12 or 13 episodes. Uh, yeah, there's 12 episodes. So I guess they got money for an extra two. OK, nice, nice. 
what are your sort of final thoughts and what are your like favorite and least favorite characters? And did it change between <laughs> when you listened before and watched this? Um, so some of my final thoughts are definitely like, I, I am interested to see the, see the rest of the show. Um, I like the animation style overall, even though again, some of it, uh, like the dialogue scenes sometimes feel really flat, but like you just said, those first two episodes were done differently than the rest. So uh, I think that's why they did three episodes because they're like, here's the pilots and also here's the show mm -hmm. afterwards. So you get the context and then here's the, like the thing that we're spending a little bit more time and money and effort on episode three onward. Um, I, th I also, I, I think they had a really tricky problem with not including uh orion akava's character at all um mm -hmm. i mean and they might later on um as like a nod but at the moment i don't think that they're like planning on having that character exist at all um and that 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 was a very that's a very tricky problem to do because i'd be like for you know quid pro role to suddenly be without Johannes or something mm -hmm. and you're like okay how do I tell this story now um and I did I love I love Scanlan and I and I, I hate Scanlan <laughs> um uh be, and and Scanlan was my favorite in the in the show uh in the original show as well um just because of how uh Sam Regal plays that character and like really got into the silliness of the role. Uh, at the same time, it also led to like there being uh, almost every bard I would run into at brewery games was some version of Scanlan. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Scanlan was my least favorite character. Yeah, I, 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 I play a bard a lot, so maybe I just don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror. Um, cause it, any bard interpretation I have is not derived from him since I'd never seen him before, but yeah. I think what it, I think I don't, I think sexual humor is like the lowest common denominator mm. and doesn't do much for me in terms of like clever entertainment. So I don't really care for stuff like that. And since his character is at least at this point in time, like built around that archetype, yeah. It just it just doesn't do anything for me. And also like various things with his character. I don't like. Things that seem culturally and temporally out of place in a story. So when he started rapping like to me, that was oh, that took okay. me out of it and put completely the on. Yeah, it took me out of it completely rather than me saying, oh, well, that's clever. Yeah, I mean, in, in the in the. Uh, the critical role show uh there were like he he would do that a lot but it was like it it was in that realm of um you know it it, it because it's a D, &D game yeah it, it fits better because everyone knows like haha yeah he's making a reference to something that doesn't exist um and that that sort of feel um like uh there there was there's a, a large uh portion of time that he would put on like a like a, a fake mustache um and parade himself around by the by the name of 
I think he used two different like American actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like you use their names, and so their names became real in that world even even though they're still referencing like real life american actors yeah and it's the kind of like you said it's the kind of thing that if it had happened around a table when i'd been playing i would have been like ah ha 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 that's clever exactly but for a television series i didn't really care for it yeah and i i i I can agree with that uh and i think that's part of again where the 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 original show um despite the thing i liked least about it being how long episodes were and how long the show was that also allowed for so much more character growth between scenes and between episodes and things like that where in this you're seeing uh kind of everyone at their worst mm-hmm. um keyleth has no confidence and still has no confidence but eventually she'll probably get some and uh Grog is, you know, they're, they're like each each person. I don't want to get into any spoilers for you, but each, each person has their flaws that they need to work through, and uh, like Scanlan being just incredibly horny and uh, weirdly direct about it a lot um, is certainly a flaw. And I think again, when 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 they were playing, because I, I I'm not certain, but I think this was Sam Regal's first character. Mm-hmm. Could be second, could be third, but it definitely felt like a first character because again, they they leaned hard on tropes during character creation and design. But then once they started making it a show, they realized they needed to allow the characters to grow up. In or, otherwise, like the fan base was going to be like, well, this character is just a horny bard. But then when the horny bard then gives like, you know deep complex wisdom that showcases why he has this uh hedonistic viewpoint and that the hedonistic viewpoint is actually hiding something deeper like oh i you know you, that, that character development and then it goes on it goes on um so i'm interested to see where that goes in this show mm-hmm. and how they cover that in 12 episodes i wonder if it'll be a thing that maybe takes several seasons to get payoff on because I think they're already renewed for a season two. Uh, yes, I, yeah. I, I see. I could only. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm. I'm. I'm predicting a, a doom or anything. But I, I can only imagine like maybe three seasons for the storyline, uh, like the at at the pace that they're telling these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, although again, three seasons is enough time. The Avatar: The Last Airbender was three seasons. The original Star f- Trek was three seasons. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, that is enough time. They can do it. It's just the pacing in the show is so wild at the moment, even with episode three slowing things down. Um, that I don't know. I'm 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 skeptical, but I'm optimistic because I'm uh same with uh You're skeptimistic. Yes, I'm I'm skeptimistic just like with the 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 bait and switch the misdirection with the dragon mm-hmm. where I was like, if they're clever, they'll do this. Oh, if they did it good. They're clever type of thing. <laughs> um, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm looking forward to being surprised, pleasantly surprised. Uh, talking about leaning on tropes for character creation. My first and only thought with Grog was, did they just rip this off Minsk from Baldur's gate? <laughs> See, I, character design you know behavior 
fortunately he doesn't have a um a hamster. space hamster yeah uh and and that's kind of uh, again like i'm not certain which players had experience in D D or even had like a knowledge base in it but like when you when you start making something and you and you hear what the kind of like like you know when, when i'm working at, at at alpha and somebody comes in and they're like oh i've heard about D. that's the thing where you can like you can you can seduce a like a dragon right and it's like <laughs> ah so you've heard of D through the memes um and it's that kind of thing where like you see a lot of characters and people are building their character for the first time their characters built off of their amalgam knowledge of memes mm-hmm. um and this goes back even before like the full-fledged internet meme was a thing um back when i was making characters when i first started playing um it's just that idea like oh you hear what a barbarian a barbarian is supposed to be dumb and strong and the only way to make dumb and strong fun is to make him goofy dumb and strong um otherwise he's edgy dumb and strong and that doesn't work great for a player character (laughs) uh and it's just that 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 kind of thing so to a degree, I don't think Travis Willingham knew anything about Mink, Minx, Minx, Minx. There we go. Minsk. Minsk. Thank you. Um, I have that card too. Uh, I don't. I don't think he did. But now that you mention it, that is uh, where that what that character reminds me of a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably fair that it's a convergent evolution kind of thing. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's like not even really a complaint. It's just something I noticed and thought about. Right. Well, yeah. and that, that's that that's the there's there's a lot of other characters like uh the the whole Vex and Vax storyline, the twin half elves, and then you hear more about their like their backstory and it's like they're both archetypes of that. Mm-hmm. Type archetype of archetype is a very polite way of saying tropey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, they're archetypes because they're famous. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, if you're famous, you don't get murdered, you get assassinated. <laughs> um, that they're, they're be, be, because everybody knows Critical Role in the D&D community. They're, they are examples. They're exemplars of an archetype. Fair enough. Gabriel, we invested enough to come back and watch the next three episodes next week. Yes, absolutely. Okay. When, when do they drop? Friday. They come out oh, good. three episodes every Friday. So we get the weekend to watch it and talk about it. Perfect. All right. Uh, well, we will be back maybe next Monday. We'll just see how the timing on that works out. It'll be soon enough after it airs that it won't seem like we dropped the ball. Yes. But yes, also definitely. not so not so quick as to indicate we're trying to run a news channel or something here. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah. Gotham and we'll, we'll see if we'll, we'll see if on. Josh's uh, flexibility improves a little bit and if he's he has a whole up. week to watch six episodes he's got this oh yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm sure that's going to be the top of his priority <laughs> <laughs> but regardless uh gabe and i will be back probably in a week josh and i will be back in a week so who knows we may drop two episodes next monday we'll see what happens but Exciting. we'll be we'll be back uh we hope you all enjoyed this uh we just thought it might be fun to talk about it it's i would it, it's more than just D adjacent so we figured it would be a good fit for yeah. us to talk about like uh, all all opinions of critical role and uh animation and like all, all, all those things like aside like this show does represent a big shift in 
what people will accept as content. And I mean that in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is a change. Um, I don't think any, like you have, you have lots of shows that are based off of, or lots of movies that are based off of this kind of stuff. Someone's Mm -hmm. campaign adventure. But I think this is like the first time where it's actually directly off of someone's specific home adventure type of thing. I think in five years, we'll look back at this and be like, wow, that was way better than that new Dungeons and Dragons movie that's supposed to be coming out. Oh, no. Yeah, that'll be a separate review that we do. (laughs) That's the writliest thing I've ever heard. We should we should review the D&D movie that came out in 2000 and something. Gosh, I hate that. I hate that movie. I saw it in the theater. I I remember it perfectly, and that's why I dislike it because it's it's burnt into my brain. Let's review that after Vox Machina is over. It's just absolutely Ridley the whole movie. <laughs> yes, let's do that. All right, everybody. I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter, and I'm Gabriel uh, Amethyst Audiomancer on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back with more of Vox Machina recap, review, criticism, praise. Hopefully, in about a week. Have a good one. Bye. If you've somehow found this podcast but are unaware of Quid Pro Roll, one, that's amazing. Two, you should check out Quid Pro Roll. It's an actual play adventure. Uh, Look it up on your podcasting app of choice and check it out.